we think is going to be particularly practical and powerful with the reality around us. Two kingdoms, right? The kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of hell. It's the reality that each of us are playing and uh, interacting in this field. And uh, we need to be awakened all the more to it. Ephesians 6.12, we fight not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers. We need to awaken to how that's playing out and warring against the children of God. Before we go there tonight and introduce our two awesome guests, uh, Steph's going to share a little bit about uh, this great event coming up on August 12th. I just want to let the music play for a moment. Amen. I am a child of God. How good our Lord and Savior is, our Almighty Father. Can never be grateful enough, folks. Amen. So, on that note, we are blessed to be gathering once again this year for Family Emmaus being held on August 12th at Holy Trinity Parish in Assumption, Swanton, Ohio. Um, we're thrilled and excited to be working with such wonderful people. We'll have six area pastors joining us to um, unpack, if you will, the beauty of the Mass, to take us deeper going there, um, to make it perhaps more alive in our own lives, in our fam the life of our family. And so we encourage you to join us that day for just an awesome, awesome event. There'll be awesome music, these awesome priests with awesome talks. The word of the night is awesome because our God is an awesome God. Amen. Um, and then we have, we're very excited about our breakout sessions. We're going to have a men's breakout session, women's, um, high schoolers, middle schoolers. Endless we'll, sages. And yes. Yes. Nesters. Yes. So How much does this cost? So you've got great dinner, you've got music, an awesome program, breakout groups, ending with a very powerful ignite that night. How much does that cost? It is priceless. Of course. Yes. Well, what? So we are blessed to offer it free of charge. And free. Free awesome. of charge. So if you go to massimpact.us forward slash Emmaus. And for those who are a little challenged with the spelling of that word, E-M-M-A-U-S, um, it'll take you right there to register. We certainly welcome donations to help offset the cost, but we don't want that to prohibit anyone from coming. Just an awesome day to gather together um, in this 
very, very fun, awesome, again, awesome, wonderful way to uh, celebrate our faith and to grow more deeply together. So check it out, massimpact.us forward slash Emmaus. It is a free event, and we encourage you to spread the word, in particular your churches, um, call your family members, invite your neighbors, just go, go there and bring them and experience the power and grace of the day. So August 12th. Um, all day long, beginning at noon, wrapping up by nine, and it's just going to be um, just very grace-filled. I know that the Lord is preparing a lot that he desires to give to us. So, In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. Dear Lord Jesus, all who are united at this moment listening to you, we come before you aware of our need aware of our lowliness, aware of our imperfection, Lord, and aware, Lord, that you made us this way, that we would seek you in every way, Lord, that you are the supply of our deepest desire. And Lord, we're aware that so many things around us compete for our affection, so many things that make promises that they cannot fulfill. And Lord, each of us in our own ways find ourselves worshiping at those altars in small ways and great ways. And we're deprived, Lord, of the, the flood of grace that you fashioned us for, the indwelling of your spirit. We acknowledge this. Keeping it real, God, we acknowledge this. Not just pious words or memorized thoughts. This is the reality of our human condition. You made us sons and daughters in the image of God, tabernacles. And uh, we desire that to be more than just religious moments, more than inspiring moments at church or reading a book or hearing a great talk. You want us to live this, live this abundance of grace flowing through us, this Niagara Falls of grace. And so we come before you tonight, Lord God, praying for the grace to be attuned to whatever debris stands in the way of that Niagara Falls of grace flooding us, that all the more we can live our identity and mission and make you known to the world. We pray that captives, each of us in our own ways, be set free by the power of Jesus Christ, by his yes, by his blood pouring forth from the celestial realm into our lives. We say yes to that, God. Make us all the more aware that this power is not just a conceptual power, but a real power giving real deliverance for the world that needs to know today. We ask this in your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Before introducing our two guests, let me just set the stage. We're going to go and go with me to the fourth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It begins with Jesus taking on the Gipper. He's in the desert, and he goes uh, to fast, and in many different ways, the devil is challenging him in the ways he's most vulnerable in his humanity, in his flesh. And he comes out of the desert to his mission. It says, he comes out of the desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about that. Whatever desert you're in tonight, whatever challenges you're facing, whatever battle you're facing in the desert of your life, it's so that we can come out of, in the power of the Holy Spirit. And he comes into the synagogue, and this is where the game begins, right? This is where the whole ultimate drama is introduced um, Jesus opens a scroll where it's written and he says, quote, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. I want you to think about this tonight, brothers and sisters. Does God lie? 
does God say anything that he has not intended to do or who he has not? Tonight is the message that inaugurated his ministry flowing up to us today and needing to overflow into our entire civilization. And that is his power to set the oppressed free. And so tonight, our theme is, uh, really we're going to talk about setting captives free. Set the captives free. God wants to set the captives free. And you know, maybe the beginning point tonight as we consider this is, are we even aware that we have captivity? Are we even aware of the ways that we're, we're held captive? But in a particular way, we're going to consider addictions. And uh, before I go much further in this, and along with the addictions, I want you to think as I speak of that, by the way, who comes to mind? Maybe it's you. Maybe it's a loved one, a brother, a sister, a spouse. Because tonight we want to pray for an abundance of grace to anoint us, to know that God is speaking to us, to want to move through us, the body of Christ, to set the captives free. We are his body, his hands, his feet, his arms, his voice. He wants to work powerfully tonight. As a result of our being attuned tonight, we believe that we're going to see prisoners set free. So, with no further ado, we've got our brother Charles Allen with us in the house. Very excited to have Pastor Charles Woo-woo. Allen of the Tabernacle of blah, 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 blah. Tabernacle <laughs> of Praise, doing amazing things. And you've heard him. If you want, go back to our past podcasts and hear some of the amazing work going on mm-hmm. with these folks, going in the, bringing it to the city and those most in need. And uh, we've got a new brother that we just met. Uh, very excited to have with us tonight, Matt Rizzo. Now, Matt is the president and CEO of an organization called A Renewed Mind. has to do with behavioral health, a whole realm of areas uh, that many people struggle and suffer. And so he brings an expertise from a godly perspective. So these two brothers in Christ have a huge hearts for Christ, a love for his word, and a desire to see people set free. And I'll even say this, with a record, with a record and experience of seeing captives set free. So you really want to be tuned in tonight. So before I go any further, just tell us a little bit about yourself, Pastor Charles, and then we'll go on to you, Matt. Tell us a little about yourself. Well, man, it's always good to be back, uh, particularly with you guys. It's always fun. Um, as you already said, I pastor the Tabernacle of Praise. We just call it Church at the Top. Ooh, you know, uh, like it's that. right there off the Anthony Wayne Trail in South Street, and uh, God is doing some awesome things there. Mm-hmm. Just launched a new initiative um, around housing, and so we're excited about that. And so, you know, hey, man, God is just doing some awesome things in our city, and we're right here in the middle of expecting revival. Amen. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Matthew. Well, thank you for having me also. I really appreciate being here. Um, I am the chief executive officer at A Renewed Mind. I've been at A Renewed Mind since 2009. Mm -hmm. Um, As you said, we're a faith-based organization that provides behavioral health care for all who struggle with mental health and addiction. Um, I work with a wonderful group of people that are really committed to helping um, the underserved. And so we are in the trenches every day, uh, providing hope. Um, Caring is our calling. And so we're trying to do what we can to help the captives, as you mentioned, be set free and get connected to resources and see what we can do. Beautiful. And married with three beautiful daughters. Yes. Right? So that's that's awesome. So we're going to dive right into it. Uh, when we speak of addiction, maybe people simply think of like the opiate crisis, which certainly would be great to have some perspective on that because we know that is, it is uh, it just every time you open the paper and read, it seems to be getting worse and worse with a lot of implications. Um, but on the surface, what are a range of other things that you think of when you think addiction? And then the next thing we're going to to kind of talk about is what are the roots of that addiction mm-hmm. 
So, you know, addiction can wear many different hats. And so many of the times uh, when we're working with families and individuals, we're working more specifically with addiction to alcohol, to drugs. But obviously there are people that are addicted to shopping. There are people that are addicted <laughs> to food. There are people that are addicted to gambling. So addiction can wear lots of different hats. Um, our specialty at this point is uh, treating people who struggle with addiction to alcohol and drugs. Um, and then obviously uh, there are lots of co-occurring issues that can be happening at that time. Many of our folks who struggle with addiction somewhere between 35 to 75% struggle also with depression or anxiety mm. or some other wow. things that are going on, even mm -hmm. trauma too. We see a lot of kids with trauma who for whatever reason are self-medicating. That self-medication quickly turns into an addiction. Right. Yeah. So some of the things you speak of and mention there, you mentioned shopping and I shouldn't have laughed because it's a serious thing and maybe that's part of the problem, right? That we're, we're diminishing the, uh, I don't know, the debris that some of these things can be in a more abundant and blessed life. But these things can be obviously in the right measure good things. In a hospital there are painkillers, opiates used in that way, alcohol appropriately, inaugurating the ministry of Christ, the wedding feast of Cain, etc. So what are some of the indicators? What makes something an addiction? Uh, usually a couple things uh, when I talk about addiction, I talk about uh, first of all has a person developed a tolerance for a substance? In other words, hmm. does it take more and more and more of a substance to get that high, if you will? Um, also, you'll see numerous attempts where people have tried to quit, but they're unsuccessful quitting. Uh, you'll see people spending more and more time seeking out a drug or its effect. So you start to see these clusters of behaviors that quickly turn into a lifestyle when it comes to uh, addiction. Um, certainly there are things like you mentioned that are, uh, if you take according to a doctor's prescription or you shop because you have to buy clothes for your kids, I mean, all those things can be healthy and don't turn into addiction. But when you really start to see a person go down the path of addiction, mm -hmm. you start to see this lifestyle change where there are more and more um, behaviors around de developing uh, tolerance, seeking the effects, uh, trying to quit despite really destructive consequences mm -hmm. that a person's facing, just not able to quit, and they just continue to kind of dig a deeper tunnel. Um, what I try to tell folks, you know, really look at those five functional domains that we as human beings have. So when it comes to functioning, look at how a person is functioning physically. Look at how a person is functioning emotionally. Look at how a person is uh, functioning socially with uh, peers around them. Uh, look at how a person's functioning cognitively. How's their mm. thought process? And then finally, and I, I think most important, look at how a person is functioning spiritually. Mm -hmm. You know, their meaning in life, their purpose. So when you begin to see a person's functioning in several of those areas, maybe it's one, maybe it's all five, when you begin to see those functional areas start to really deteriorate and it impacts their lifestyle and they start to, you know, have really serious consequences around, you know, maybe breaking the law, relationship issues, financial issues, then you really start to see a person go down that dark path of addiction. Yeah. And I think we can begin to see this. I remember, you know, when Greg initially called me, uh, Matt was one of the first people I thought of to be here tonight because, um, one, you know, when you start to see people reaching for something, to satisfy a aching in one's soul mm -hmm. 
that only God can satisfy, that only God can deal with, and that. And so we start to see that early on because one of the things is is that so when my emotions are affected or I can't think properly, or I don't have the will or the drive to get up and do something, I reach for something else. These are all soul issues, which I think as a church we do a great job talking about spiritual things. And we do a great job differentiating the difference between walking in the spirit and walking in the flesh. But we never really deal with the soul Mm -hmm. of a human that is the decision maker between how I walk in the spirit and how I walk in, you know, if I'm going to walk in the flesh or not. You know, because uh, one of the things is, is that we have to realize is that. The German theologian once uh, uh, stated that the soul is the is the emotion, the mind, and the will of a person. So the emotion, the intellect, and the will or the passion of a person, that's what makes up our soul. And so the enemy, when he attacks, you know, the enemy is not after our houses, our cars, or any of those things. Mm-hmm. But he's after things that affects there. our mm-hmm. soul that when peace or enjoy is disrupted, then how do I then reach and I start reaching for something Mm -hmm. to help me feel that thing that only God can help me feel in the first place because only God can give me real peace only God can give me real joy and no I can have a moment of happiness but you know past that moment then I'm right back to the same thing I was at before and so then this this as Matt alluded to then when these things begin to go a little bit more and more and more and more that's when you can begin to see some oftentimes we don't notice it until a person's off the deep end mm-hmm. then we say oh you're addicted mm-hmm. but the bible says if you see your brother overtaken in a fault those who are spiritual should go to him and help restore him so which means that if i'm in relationship with Matt then I should be watching Matt and Matt should be watching me. We should be watching each other, watching out for each other, because if you start to see me reaching for things that where I once found that in God, then you can say, wait a minute, man, you something is going on with you. So I have to say, in my family of six boys and a girl, there are a couple alcoholics, and it was manifest early on by behavior. So it was kind of evident, and that the uh, there was a, a time of diagnosis, if you will, or assessment that found them to be alcoholics, um, and it had the whole process of of, uh, of you know, if you will, transformation. Um, and they're they're solid believers, so God's grace is definitely present in that situation. Um, that was never my situation. Now let's just speak of alcohol alcohol for a second because of all the addictions certainly porn but I think most people know porn is problematic and it is very addictive and we've talked about that at other times we know it kind of fits this category but we won't be necessarily talking about porn tonight Uh, opiates we get that also we get that people have opiates and we will be talking later on uh, about you know how do we help people what steps can we maybe take so we're certainly going to be talking about that but so alcohol is something that I discovered when I gave up maybe two years ago for Lent for 30 days and by the way for me just being perfectly candid, maybe it was three or four beers a week, uh, once in a while, maybe it was a glass of scotch or whatever, and I found it became kind of a comfortable companion. You know, it didn't really affect, I could always drive, there was never anything that, uh, you know, but after just Mm -hmm. it becoming part of my lifestyle, I became more aware of its influence when I gave it up in wanting it. Mm. 
Now, it wasn't like a huge craving. I wasn't shaking or anything like that, but I became aware of the difficulty that I had, which was alerted to me, do I want anything other than food and water and nourishment, right? Do I want anything to have that kind of command? To me, it was almost equivalent to giving up the cheese Doritos, sorry, back in high school or college, which was, you know, similar kind of thing. It was like, I miss my cheese-flavored Doritos and Mountain Dew. And by the way, it could be Mountain Dew, right? It could be cheese-flavored Doritos. Mm -hmm. So I guess what I want to ask is your thoughts on on exploration of maybe the, the area uh, that that all of us have of attachments yeah. i mean uh, you know i don't know if we necessarily call that addiction but does it does it fit in some understanding of the portrait that you painted that maybe we're finding a comfort level with something yeah. because i'll say this when i gave up those things it definitely i i had to learn a poverty and i had to learn a certain turning to something else that filled it out mm-hmm. i think that one we anything that we enjoy on a consistent basis Right. It can be consistent. Like, I'm not maybe the word is more constant. Right. So if, if I'm looking at it, even if it's just once a week, but I look forward to this mm-hmm. doing this thing once a week, you know, it's, it's, and it's just consistent, you know, and then you go and you say, well, man, I'm going to go on a fast. I'm going to give this up. You, see, you don't know how much of a stronghold certain things have on us until we go to say, right. let, let it go. Right. And I think that's the test of anything. Is that, uh, which is why I believe that a fast is not a certain point of time in a year or mm-hmm. around my religious belief, a certain demarcation on the calendar, but a, to have a fasted life means now as part of my spiritual discipline is that I will fast in any moment, at any time, and there's moments where I do believe that the Holy Spirit umptions us or calls us Absolutely. on these fasts, mm-hmm. and that because it's the thing of it is that God, there's certain things in this earth that God never did not want us not to enjoy, but He just didn't want those things that we enjoy to have dominion over oh, us when we're supposed to have dominion over it. Mm-hmm. And so fasting allows you to practice and stay in touch with your dominion and your authority. And that's the one thing. We, we can't look at it as, oh, I'm giving up something more so than what I'm gaining. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, you know, so that's why when we go on these things, we don't realize what has attached itself to parts of us that it shouldn't attach itself to. And just a little side note with that, our Lord tells us that some demons can only be expelled through Mm -hmm. prayer and fasting. Mm -hmm. And so I love uh, the opportunity, the grace that we have with our fellow brothers and Mm -hmm. sisters who perhaps are struggling with it to give it up ourselves, you know, as a prayer for them. Matt, were you going to say something? No, I I agree with Charles, uh, what he had said, you know, pretty much... Um, there's lots of different things today, and we are exposed to more and more uh, things that we could become attached to with yeah. the Internet and with social media and uh, cell phones and all this other kind of stuff. So we have to just really be careful because anything can attach itself to us. Again, yeah. whether it's shopping, whether it's uh, eating, whether it's you know just some of those basic things that we have to do. But it's really important to know that you know, God doesn't want us to – doesn't want – things to have dominion over us yeah you know that we just have to be careful which on-ramp we choose to uh kind of get on you know because again anything can open itself up to that right so listeners we of course you're used to us maybe uh sort of trying to simplify the narrative of the gospel 
of the very nature of Jesus Christ and us made in his image, called to take the same steps as him and to recognize in our lives, quite frankly, we are about that. And what are those three movements? Empty, to be emptied, that we can be filled with his grace. It doesn't end there. Not about Christian hot tubs and hanging out there. And the true measure is that it overflows. So I want to maybe invite you to, um, Matt and Charles, to you know help us understand maybe why people are attached to lesser things. Mm-hmm. And it, from the standpoint of, do we maybe doubt in this physical material need to be sensorially engaged, impulse-driven? Do we maybe doubt at the beauty that might await one who is rid of a lesser thing? Do we maybe doubt at an engagement, a true capacity to, to if you will, behold God's glory in some fashion in our, in our souls? And I'll just give you a stat. Um, among uh, Christians, at least there was a stat among Catholics in Sherry Waddell's book, Forming Intentional Disciples, that 40% of those who go to Mass question if a relationship with God is even possible. Hmm. Maybe people are hanging on to these lesser gods because they really, it's, it's not, the relationship with Jesus is not as straightforward. We're not seeing, if you will, as much in the flesh that which is meant to fill it. Does that make sense? And can you give us some yeah. thoughts on how we make that that movement? Because it's easier. I wonder if it's easier to give up something. So restate your original question. It's easier to give up an addiction <laughs> or an attachment if you know. And a few answers in between. Yeah, thank you very much. So, you know, if it's easier, it would seem to detach from a lesser thing if what could really fill us was more clear. Do you agree with that? Yes. I, I get, I, and how does that play out with people that you work with? Okay, so if I understand the... <laughs> <laughs> or just, just open mic match. Right, yeah. open. <laughs> um, you know, in today's society and, you know, with our culture and, and with people that I've worked with, and I, you know, I've been in the field for probably 25 years now. Mm-hmm. And I have just seen, you know, over time that as a group of uh, folks in, in the U.S., and I'll just kind of stick to, you know, where I've been, our generation, it just seems like every day they want things quicker and quicker. Mm-hmm. People don't want to de- uh, delay gratification. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, microwaves and we have quicker internets and we have uh, access to this and access to this. And you can get this yesterday and all this other kind of stuff. And so I just think that that opens us up to not seeing the bigger picture and kind of just looking at what's in front of us and what can we grab mm-hmm. and what's well accessible played. what's accessible is not always what's healthy right. but it's accessible and it's in front of our face so one of the things for instance with opiate addiction when you look at the history of opiate addiction especially recently if you will there was just this huge inundation if you will of prescription medications into our society uh, you know probably five or six years ago and so we saw more and more sports injuries we saw um, doctors begin to write prescriptions for oxycontin for 30 days we saw insurance companies say we're not going to pay for inpatient hospitalizations we're going to pay for ambulatory care go home and manage your pain Mm -hmm. we saw hospitals that were judged outcome wise and uh, reimbursement wise Uh, based on how a hospital treated a person's pain. Mm. So what do we do to treat a person's pain? We give them opiate prescriptions and we give medication. So our society was inundated with prescription opiates, and so there was just a lot of access to that. And we would rather take a pill than go do a month of physical therapy Mm. because we rather would just kind of cut that pain off and 
you know, just kind of keep going and reach what's in front of us because it's often most accessible. Yeah. So we saw our folks begin to reach for prescription medications. Mm-hmm. When uh, our law enforcement and pharmacists and other folks kind of got on board and said, hey, we're starting to see people die. we got to do something. And we started to institute um, ORS reporting where pharmacists have to check to see if people are doctor shopping. And we began to say, let's not prescribe 30 days, but let's prescribe 10 days and bring a person back to get a refill for their prescription medication. So we started to kind of like tighten the noose on all the opiates that were out there. Well, then people turned to heroin. Mm-hmm. And then when people couldn't kind of get all the heroin they needed, they started to throw in fentanyl and carfentanyl. And those, mm-hmm. so people started to, we started to see more and more deaths. And so yeah. I did bring a couple statistics. Please share. Uh, the Lucas County Health Department um, in 2014 reported that there were 145 deaths related to opiate overdosing. Uh, wow. In 2015, 215 deaths. Um, and then I believe right now uh, there was a report that came out in June of two, 2017. We have about 151 deaths. So, you know, we continue to see more and more deaths. And um, again, it's just kind of look, we want stuff yesterday. What's in front of me? And now mm-hmm. we kind of cut off all the prescription medications. We're doing things to change prescribing. Mm-hmm. And now we've turned to other things. And so it's kind of back what you know Charles had talked about, letting things have dominion over you. But there, yeah. we can talk about the liberation and some other pieces I've seen to bring some hope later. But Awesome. Yeah. Because, you know, one thing is that, you know, as Matt was talking and, and talking about this, the world moving at a rapid pace and this fast thing that's going, you know, um, there was a, a movie out. I can't remember the name of it now, but the guy was when he took the drug, everything he was like, you know, speeding up. You know, but eventually he realized that that that's, that living life at that speed was killing him. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 so sometimes when we realize when we're living this life on this speed thing, and like I gotta have this, mm-hmm. I gotta have that, everything that's fast that's fast kills us. Mm-hmm at a rapid pace. So fast food kills us at a more rapid pace. Right. I mean, you know, and we've seen some of the things in there. But one of the things we have to realize, though, is that when we choose not to let God focus and think how he created us to be play out, that's where we get into trouble. Because mm-hmm. we start, you know, we, we want to play the doctor. We want to play God. And we want to do those things. Because, you know, one thing is that when I am in trouble with something, I don't know I'm in trouble until I'm in trouble. Right. Because right? Right. the Bible says the the, the, the the enemy of this world, he has blinded the minds. Right. Not the eyes, but the minds. Because our eyes can only see what we can see. But our mind allows us to see things at a different rate. Mm-hmm. It allows us to see things further down the road. Mm-hmm. It is, it's our, when you see things with your mind, you reason it, right. right? And so this is why Paul writes, take every thought into captivity that tries to exalt itself against the knowledge of God. Because the knowledge of God gives you right perspective in mm-hmm. your mind. Mm-hmm. And right. so if I don't have right perspective now, and I can't, that means that my mind is blinded, so I can't see the effects 
of what's going to happen to me down the road. I can't. Only thing I can know is that I need to do this now. I need to get. I need to feel this way now. So if I need to feel this way now, then what's the effects of that? And so my if my mind gets blinded on that, I can't see the effects of it. I can't see down the road. I don't have any reason to pers- to, to to deal with it. Which is why I believe the Word of God stabilizes our emotions because all those things start when we have our emotions we get anxiety about stuff and this Mm -hmm. is that so the word of god stabilizes our emotions the next thing the word of god does is transforms our mind right so what it does is be not conformed to this world but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind because the uh according renew your minds right (laughs) (laughs) little plug for bass company right out the word of god there you know (laughs) but uh (laughs) the the thing of it is is that what is conforming me what is forcing me to now to not see with my mind but just to see with my natural eyes is and now the word of god says when i'm when my mind is transformed it lifts me up above that which right. the enemy is blinding right. me with mm-hmm. so some people get into certain things because they want something we all want something, whether I want to be free from pain or I want to feel better. I want to last longer. I want to, and I don't, I don't know where everybody's mind went on that one, but you know what I mean? I, I just want to, you know, I want to perform better at all these things, right? And so the, and, and when we get into these things, why do we want to do that? Because we want to feel better about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so the Bible talks about the, we, we, will have, we will have a time where our bellies become our God. In other words, our appetite drives us Mm -hmm. our desires drive us and so anytime your desires is is now your god and that's what you serve then that's what you're going to satisfy so if i think back thank you for that charles and matt uh when i think back to my own gradual identification of debris of things that stand in the way in my case thanks be to god was never drugs or any of that um but when I turn to God, certainly the Word of God and our Catholic tradition, the sacraments, which are, you know, God's in the Eucharist, everything very powerful for us, and uh, I'll even say um, praise and worship, um, I found that there was, at some deep level, shall I say, a fit. Mm-hmm. That that deep desire for me, whether it be inadequacy or incompleteness or yearning or hunger, whatever term somebody wants to use, that was, if you will, settling for lesser things, and let's just say the... The insanity of it all, that maybe the next time, you know, it's going to be a different effect, but it's the same thing. It's really not filling you. When you fast, when you take that time, first of all, it reveals to you, are you are we truly relying on these things and attached to them in a way, unhealthy way? But when we do fast, then and, and turn to the Word of God, and turn to the sacraments, turn to praise and worship, at least for myself, and maybe this is a point, uh, you know, I want to share with our listeners, that whole realm may be something they've never experienced before. But I, the testimony is 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 uh, everywhere of people who have turned to Christ in faith in these specific ways. The testimony of the God-shaped hole being filled by God. Mm-hmm. And you're both pastors uh, involved in your respective churches. Um, is this not really kind of like, if you will, addiction to fulfillment in Christ, sort of the, the, the landscape that Jesus is talking about when he comes out of the desert to set the captives free? Um, that he's offering us himself. He's offering us an, a way to encounter him. Speak to, if you can, can, though, how do you speak to that person out there who's aware of attachments or addictions of maybe baby steps, first of all, in uh, recharting the course, if you will, recharting the course of their appetites to Christ, to opening that door to him? 
So I would say a couple of things. When I did not know Christ, I didn't know that the things of this world were lesser things because it's all I knew. Mm -hmm. But as I knew and began to know Christ more and more, then as he grew me and grew inside of me, then I began to have, like, you know, Charles had talked about a different mind's eye, a different spiritual eye, to recognize that the things of this world are lesser things. Um, what I have seen related to lots of treatment that I've been a part of, it seems like, and I, you know, kind of like haven't figured this out yet, and maybe I never will, but for some people, um, you know, as we all make decisions and we dig a tunnel, right? We make unhealthy decisions, we dig this tunnel. And then we kind of get to this rock bottom, if you will. And so some people at that point are open to inviting Christ into their life, inviting Christ into their problem. And Christ will get into that elevator, go down to the bottom, grab the person, put them in the elevator, and go right to the top. And people are sometimes instantly delivered and set free. Mm. But then I've seen other occasions where, again, a person will reach out for Christ. Christ will get into the elevator, go down to the rock bottom where the person is, and decide to take the stairwell out of the cave. Mm. And I don't, <laughs> understand, I don't understand why sometimes he takes the elevator to the top and there's instant deliverance, and then sometimes he takes the stairwell. But I do understand... In a that, very big building. <laughs> right, right. So what I have come to understand, two things. One, either way, we're never alone. Mm. Right. He's with us whether we're in the elevator awesome or on the point. stairwell. And number two, it's the same destination. Mm -hmm. That he has freedom and liberty mm -hmm. and life at its fullest waiting for us once we kind of get out of that stairwell yeah. or we step off the elevator. As Christians, we just need to make sure that we're there with people helping them in that journey and, you know, doing whatever we can to be the hands of Christ to help people. Yeah. And I, and I think sometimes this is why life was never meant to be compared but shared, mm -hmm. you know, because if I look at someone else's life and I compare it, then I'm going to feel like my faith isn't strong enough or something's right. wrong with Good me point. or yeah. God's given up on me and I have to look at what God what's what why am I going through this and, and, and seek to understand God's revelation and all of that because once I have a revelation, once I have a word to operate under, then I can move at a different pace and I can accept what God what the things that are coming in my life. And so here's the thing is that there's a thing called grace that Sometimes, as a church, we just want people to stop. Just stop it, you know? If you just stop it, we'll be okay with it. Well, there is still grace here, right? And Paul, you know, because of who he was, the revelation that's given to him. And so one of the things we can understand is that sometimes because of the destiny that's on a person comes a struggle, in a fight from the mm -hmm. enemy because the Bible says that Satan sent a messenger to beat up on him, to buffet him, mm -hmm. right? And he says, I saw God three times for this thorn in my flesh for it to be removed. And he said, my grace is sufficient for mm -hmm. you, right? And we get a picture of this when we see Joshua in Zechariah, Joshua, the high priest, standing before God. And the Bible says the enemy was on his right hand there to oppose him, to accuse him. Right. The right hand is a symbolism of authority, which is also a symbol of dominion. So now the enemy has now authority in Joshua's life and 
he is in the presence of God and the enemy is there too Hmm. with authority. And it was God that looks at the enemy and says, this is one I've already plucked out of the fire. I rebuke you. Right. So God rebukes him. So then he takes, he gives the command for Joshua's clothes to be taken off and new clothes to be put on a a turban on his head, which means now that he was, he was, his filthy garments represent sin and iniquity. So he was guilty of whatever it is Mm -hmm. the enemy was there to accuse him of in the first place. And then he put on a new turban, which always represents a covering of the mind. So the renewing of the mind is where it starts and Mm -hmm. where it moves it where it pushes us to because it's not until we get to that place of laying our lives down on the altar as a living sacrifice Mm. that we can then understand what it means to not be conformed It's, it's a surrendering and so sometimes that surrendering it is a baby step and sometimes that surrendering is there nonetheless I think that there's some spiritual I got some spiritual theories about all of that you know that I could probably take you through a few scriptures on but this is not the time for that but here but the thing of it is some things I believe that the enemy attaches itself to you that was that should have never been on you and those things are instant right that's just this I'm just giving you my deal right in a short thing and then some things have set up territory maybe even in your family line or in other ways that is a stronger stronghold that's mm-hmm. not an instant thing and Culture. so that's where we have to rely on grace when I just can't get it off of me then I gotta I gotta surrender to God's grace mm-hmm. because when I'm weak he's strong Amen. that's beautiful folks you're tuned into ignite radio live over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. And we have two awesome guests with us. We're talking about addiction, but the theme is set the captives free. Jesus coming out of the desert and proclaiming this. He is truly present. He is truly powerful. We've discussed tonight that he is he is present to us. We're never alone. And, uh, you know, certainly at the lowest level, all of us can be aware of attachments. And in everywhere where there's an attachment is an opportunity to be filled with his grace. And all the more with an addiction. How beautiful those of us who have encountered somebody through an AA program or whatever who have uh, grown into a deep, beautiful love of Christ that is authentic and true. Unfortunately, they had to hit the bottom. But this grace, this abundance of grace that Charles just spoke to us about is accessible to us now. And um, maybe we settle for less. Maybe uh, we, we're okay. We get along. We're functional. And God does want to set us even more free, if you will, in his grace. But I want to, with the time that we have here, I want to address those of us right now who are thinking of a loved one. I have somebody in mind. Somebody who's uh, maybe functional. You know, they're surviving. Maybe they aren't. I don't know where they stand. But clearly somebody who is in that category of addiction. Somebody, um, and the effects are being felt by their loved ones. Most likely they're in denial. Most likely they have excuses and uh, a lot of blame of other people. Whatever the case, whatever those walls are that are reinforcing that. And the mere fact that you are thinking of that person means God has a role for you in some way in this person's life. And I'm going to turn to Matt now with Charles to kind of share with us, maybe uh, instruct us, guide us as to, you know, what are the limitations of that role? But what are the places for that role? Help us understand how we as the body of Christ perhaps need to be what we're called to be in this drama of Christ setting his people free. 
So I think that there are lots of resources that are out there in the community. Um, obviously, starting with your your church or your congregation is a great place to start, you know, working with your pastor if they have support groups. But it's really important that if you have a loved one who's struggling with an attachment or an addiction, um, you know, again, getting some education on resources in the community. Um, there's lots of support groups out there with people who are going through similar circumstances that you might be going through. So I like to learn from other people, you know, things that have worked, things that haven't worked. So getting connected to a support group is really good. Obviously being connected, uh, you know, to your church, your congregation for prayer, for support, for covering. Um, I find a lot of strength and um, insight in reading God's word that just strengthens me uh, and obviously praying and being around people that can pray for me and I can pray with them. Um, but I think more specifically, when it comes to someone who is struggling with an addiction, it's really important to set boundaries. It's really important mm. to put guardrails in place. Mm. If a person's struggling with addiction, and let's just say, for instance, they say to you, mom or dad, hey, but look at, you know, I'm trying to get better. You know, I'm in treatment or I'm trying to do some things differently. There are some things that are hallmarks that would show that a person is really working on their recovery. Mm. Some of those things, and I call them the five A's if you will, you can look for as guardrails. So number one, the person should be abstinent from all mood-altering substances. Number two, the person should be attending some type of um, support group. Maybe they go to AA or NA or there's a group at church uh, that a person can get sober support from. Uh, number three, there needs to be some type of accountability that the person has to be under somebody's accountability, whether it's a sponsor, a pastor, someone who has similar life experiences, but accountability is really important. The fourth thing, you should start to see um, some aptitude or some skill sets around recovery. So people can mm. say to you, hey, look it, I know what my triggers are. I can't be around old using people, places, and things because those kinds of things trigger my use. Isolation is another thing, too. And even the book of Proverbs talk, talks about, I was reading it today, uh, today's Proverbs, today's the 18th, so I read the 18th <laughs> proverb. It talked about you know somebody who isolates himself is really not acting mm. um, you know, wisely, if you will. So having that skill set. Then the, the fifth thing would be attitude. So what's the person's attitude like when it comes to going to treatment, being abstinent, having an mm -hmm. attitude of gratitude, right? So those five A's, if you will, awesome. are really the guardrails that a person should be engaged in right. uh, activity-wise to mm -hmm. keep them on that recovery. An attitude of when you question them or correct them. Mm -hmm. There's, there's, there has to still be the right attitude in that. And so, um, and, you know, Dan Rogers, the president and CEO of Cherry Street, uh, in his curriculum, The Biblical Rescue, uh, talks about you can't rescue anyone you've seen naked. Right. So and it's and really it's, it's, it's not talking about physically necessarily uh, uh, unless you're a husband and wife. You probably have done that. But the the thing of it is, is that uh, emotionally and certain certain you got to know your place in a person's role in their life. Mm -hmm. Right. So your thing is, if you don't know what to do, then you should be calling one mm -hmm. of us like myself or Matt or even Dan at Cherry Street or, you know, we can give you a list of other people, Carter Thomas or, you know, what I mean, and I, I can give you a list of people that you can just say, hey, you know what? I need some help to understand the role I need to play in this person's life, what needs to be done. And it, it may be that 
another individual that's setting up those accountabilities and all those things for you, you know, because uh, there's been times I had to sit across a table from a distraught mother and tell her, you gotta, you, you can't open a door for him. You wow. can't open a door for him. Mm-hmm. And that's a hard deal, right? Right. Because you're always mama's baby. And mama always go let you in. But if mother is an enabler, Mm. then mother can't open that door. And she has to be committed to that. Can we talk about that a second? Because I think it's maybe a misunderstanding of the enemy. C.S. Lewis captures this so beautifully in Screwtape Letters. But but good externals um, can be a masquerade as something that's not good. Enabling. Talk about enabling and um, help us understand what enabling is and similar things, practices that may be common among loved ones that actually don't help. Uh, a loved one with an addiction or an attachment? So a couple of things. First of all, you know, if you have a medicine cabinet that has Mm. expired prescriptions or medication you haven't used, it's really important to clean that out of your household, to go to the local pharmacy or drop-off box, the Lucas County Mental Health Recovery Services Board, their website, they have a list of drop-off boxes. So so we don't want to do that to our water, though, because we've already got an algae problem. You know, but... um, Water is fine. (laughs) We had a visual of uh, Charles pouring out the medicine in the water stream. Flush. Do something with it. There's a ton of drop boxes. So so anyway, so making sure that the home environment is safe and and not to enable. So get rid of the the medicines in the medicine cabinet that you're not using or expired. Uh, You know, also, too, I think it's really important to make sure that, you know, for instance, if a person's drug of choice is cocaine, and there's no cocaine in the house, but there's a a closet full of alcohol, Mm. a person will then turn to, many times, not everyone, Mm. but a different mood-altering substances if they, they can't mm. get the other one. So just making sure, you know, they, people clean out their house of any type of uh, substance that could be mood or mind-altering, if you will. And I get it. You know, it's not that person's drug of choice. And, well, you know, it's my house. But for the time being, the season you're in, it's good to not enable the person or have an environment um, that could lead to using. Loaning people money, that's mm. another thing, too. So just giving folks money for this, that, or the other, you want to be really careful when it comes to that. It's better to go purchase, say, for instance, their son uh, needs toiletries or whatever. It's better to go and buy those things and give that to the person mm-hmm. than to give them money for that if there's or mm-hmm. you suspect use. Yeah. So there's just really simple things like that. You know, and again, you know, it's holding the person accountable. If your curfew at home is eleven o'clock, it's eleven o'clock. I mean, you know, just having yeah. some of those non negotiables are really important. And, and I would say, you know, only keep a person in the home if they stay in partnership. Mm. Because partnership looks well like something, you mm-hmm. know. So if you if you're saying, "Hey, I, I want to be free from this," mm-hmm. then want is you know how are you emotionally and how are you valuing and how are you behaving that want? Because if I'm working harder than you mm-hmm. on your addiction, if I'm clearing out my mm-hmm. house and then you still bringing it into the house, mm-hmm. then something wrong, right? right? right. And, and so that's not partnership, right? I can agree to say, hey, I'm not going to have this in my house as long as you stay in partnership, right? And that means that there, I, I may want to know where you're going, and who you're going to be around, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, all those kind of things, because this is these are the things, because if this is everybody you've used with are no longer your friends, you know? Everybody you've, you know, 
hung out with or all those things. So there's there's some things now that you you know because enabling peace is that you can alter your whole life, mm-hmm. and they still not. You know, so a part of that is holding them accountable right. to what they said they're going to do. And I never give people what to do. I always ask them, what are you going to do, right? And one of the things we used to do at Cherry Street is when a person came into our program, we would hand them a blank sheet of paper. And we would say right on there everything, with the understanding, I'm not going to actually do anything illegal, Right. Right on there, everything you're, that you're not willing to do that we may tell you to do. If they write a dot on there, they're not ready. Mm. Mm. And that's how, and you, sometimes you had to be that strict. And, you know, because, you know, when you realize that when you get in the culture of addiction, you also get in the culture of games mm. and manipulation, mm-hmm. right? And so, Genius. and then you start treating everybody like they're your parole board. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to give you the best story mm-hmm. I can give you mm-hmm. to tell you I'm recovered, right? And so, and then another thing I never look at, too, if a person's longest clean time is three months, I never even start talking to them about being clean until after they've breached that three months. This may sound pretty basic because we've shared some wonderful, very uh, grace-filled things here. Speak to the person who hasn't admitted the addiction. Like they're living it, they're they're apparent, evidently addicted. Like how I, I'm thinking of spouses who deal with this, whose mm-hmm. husband or wife just hasn't embraced the issue, but they're still doing these things, and it's you know whether it's a relational uh, destructive thing now or fill in the blank. Yeah. How do you get yeah. that person mm-hmm. to step one? And Admit I, I they have a say, problem. I would say start talking to people before you even get to that destructive behavior. Mm-hmm. If you're if you're dwelling with somebody, dwell with them according to knowledge. You know, look at their behaviors, look at what they reach for when they have a stressful day. You know, look at because what happens when a stressful day starts to compound and now you have stressful weeks mm-hmm. and stressful months and stressful years. And so, you, you know, start, start watching those things early on and begin to, you know, pull people aside and pray and, you know, those kind of things. But if they are at that point and they have to be tired, they have to say, hey, I'm ready, right? And, and there's a difference between... A emotional head ready and a heart ready. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes they don't know the difference, but both are valuable. Both are valuable because even if I say in my head, because my wife or whoever else is nagging me about stuff, that at least gives me a chance to get to a Matt or a Charles or somebody else or a Dan Rogers or someone that can plant a seed and that can later on be watered that God can give the increase with, right? Because utilize the resources, but also but think about the faith components of these resources too. You know, I mean, because you got to put, if you don't have faith in there, I'm just a, you know, uh, in October, the one in three conferences coming up for our faith um, 
people that you know want to know more about mental health and mm. different things of that nature mm. and so you know we'll, we give you guys you know insight on the, or, uh, the dates and all Thank that, you. For that but it's going to be at Cedar Creek and you know they hold it every year but this is where we have to realize that you know the the, the rap support system is important mm. you know so that's very important so I think you know piggybacking on Charles said I mean everything he said the person's got to be kind of want it right mm-hmm. they have to take the hard look in the mirror the step back and you know you have to look at a person's behavior not what they're saying right mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. your behaviors really tell more about a person oh, yes. you know what they value <laughs> I mean I used right. to tell people show me your checkbook and your calendar and I can mm-hmm. tell you instantly what you so value true. absolutely what mm-hmm. we spend our money on and who we spend, spend our time, time with says a yeah. lot about absolutely we, right and so you have to look at the person's behavior now when I worked in a hospital so Starbucks and, yeah. <laughs> and my wife and yeah, right. <laughs> just Stop there, girl. So, so when I work, Why's the phone ringing? Yeah. One of the simple things you can do, and I'm not saying this is totally foolproof, but when I worked in a hospital in upstate New York, we would have a lot of people that would come into inpatient treatment, and they would say, I don't have a problem drinking. And then we would go do liver enzyme laboratory tests mm. and pancreas tests and all those other kinds of biometric tests you could do. And your body would testify against mm-hmm. your story. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, sooner or later, your your body begins to <laughs> testify against your lifestyle. I mean, Ooh. you can say whatever you want, but, right. you know, this is not what's showing. I mean, why is your liver enzymes off the chart if you're only having one or two beers a week? Right. right. So, you know, go get a, a history and physical. Go see your doctor. Mm-hmm. See what your yeah. biometric mm-hmm. piece says about you. I right? tell people all the time, your behavior is betraying you. Right. Right. <laughs> That's right. Brothers, right. It's, uh, it's been awesome having you. I'm looking oh, at uh, we're, we're coming in for a landing and there's so much more we can talk about this but we began by talking about Luke 4 Jesus came out of the desert saying he came to proclaim freedom for the prisoners recovery of sight to the blind set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and we also talked a lot about Romans 12 1 and 2 who doesn't want a good pleasing and perfect life well there are three easy steps you know, make yourself a living sacrifice. Conform no longer to the ways of this world. Be transformed inwardly by the renewal of the spirit in your mind. Then you'll know God's will. Uh, in the very short time we have, I'll just take a moment and please lead us in prayer for those right now who are addicted and lead us in prayer for those who are loved ones of those who are addicted. Lord, we this thank you for this opportunity. And we just, Lord, we know... We just pray now, oh God, that you touch the heart of the ones who are struggling with what to do. Why am I this way? Why am I in these things? And Lord, I just say, Lord, let your grace fill them. Let your Holy Spirit touch them in a way that wakes them up in an area of their soul that says, I want out. I'm done. And Lord, free them now. Yes, Lord. We lift all this up to the glory of your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.